Welcome to Caribbean in Queens, a podcast featuring audio plays and interviews about Caribbean Americans living in New York City. First up is Floor, written by Nelson Diaz Marcano, a Caribbean playwright born in Puerto Rico. speaking with Nelson Diaz Marcano, Caribbean playwright hailing from Puerto Rico, and we are very happy to have him here at Brata Productions, Caribbean in Queens, Brata Radio Play Series. Uh, Nelson, welcome. Thank you for saying yes. And how are you oh. feeling right now? <laughs> uh, um, you know, I'm feeling great. There's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of feelings. It's been, it's been a, an interesting time, and uh, I'm about to be a father, so I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. And congratulations, I know. Thank you, uh, Nelson thank you. Thank you for is welcoming. Me. Yes, welcoming a new family member is on the way for Nelson. And Nelson is um, one of our playwrights who has interviewed um, a member of the Caribbean American community um, living in Queens, uh, Rosa Mendez. And I will just like to ask you, how was that? How was that interview with with Rosa? Uh, you know, right before. A revelation. It was a revelation. <laughs> I found the love of my life with Rosa Mendes. Uh, I mean, it was fun. It was great. It was. Um, it was what I needed at the time. Like it was, because it was one of those things. Like part of this project was to to interview somebody and, and let myself be inspired by that conversation. And at the moment, I was thinking to myself a lot, like. You know, I've been trying to be positive. I've been and I've been able to do that by using magical realism and by doing and by working on different genres that are outside realism. So when I was asked to do this project, where it's so based on realism and it's based on having to really uh, stare like into the face of what 2020 was and how to survive it, uh, it was hard to find how to create a positive vibe with it. And then I talked to Rosa. And it was right there. It, 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 she reminded me the one thing that I always, always knew we had as a Caribbean was that when I came to the United States and I saw how people reacted to problems and tragedies, it was complete loss. It was complete pain and suffering and no celebration of life. And that's something that I didn't grow up with. I grew up with everything was a celebration of life. Tragedies hurt, but they, it's also get communities together and you smile and laugh because you cannot cry all day and you move and, and work and, and you, just, you just don't look to the past too much because it's not going to help much with the, with the future at the time because you're just trying to survive and be comfortable and be happy. And Rosa just reminded me that when we're put down to that level, like when we're down to that tragedy, we, we don't stay there. We don't stew on that. We don't, we don't stay cooking in there. We move on. We, we look forward. We're like, what are we going to do? The pandemic is here. The only thing we can do is move forward. And she just, she, she's just a, a, a star. She's just a star. She, she's doing, she's an early rhetoric, like enjoying life, going to karaoke, loving her two kids. And that is just inspired me to like find, not find something positive. She didn't inspire me to find something positive. She showed it. She gave it to me. 
Uh, That is amazing. And this this idea of, you know, the Caribbean resilience. Some people think of it as this novelty or this phenomenon. But uh, the way you speak about it and the way I know it as well is something very real and a very part of us, no matter what the territory. Speak a little bit about uh, your shared uh, Puerto Rican experience. Expand on that in terms of it, uh, in terms of the Caribbean voice, the necessity of the Caribbean voice in art at this time, in, in the work that you do. Um, I mean, and the importance of the Caribbean voice is, is, if if anything, is to spread the message of the resilience that we all created with. Uh, I was just talking about some, one of my friends was talking about uh, our kid. I was, I was then my wife I was like, "There's nothing we can do. He's gonna be a maquejode, you know. He's gonna be a, he, he's just gonna be a ball full of energy because that's just Caribbean. It's in the genes. There's there's something about us that is just resilience. And but there's also beyond resilience. It's how much love govern almost every step of our lives like we're passionate about everything even, even about the bad stuff even when we fight even about the worst things we're passionate about and that's something that i always said uh that one of the best things that I ever brought with me and that everybody thought that was oh it's like too much it's like no it's it's passion uh, when i came to college it was mostly a white experience um with very little Caribbeans, I remember having to like almost don't have a personality because everybody there not not that they didn't have a personality, but I'm I'm coming from people that love to dance, party, and and like within all that party and all that dancing and all that debauchery, there is politics being talked, there is family being bred, there is dinner being served, there is a, a, a want for life that is on every step. Uh, maybe it's because we have 500 years of being slaves to different empires. Maybe it's because we've been tossed around, but Puerto Ricans somehow still have our identity, uh, still have our own culture, uh, still have three cultures making one. Um, and that's something that it's, it's, you cannot have an American experience. And this is something that's been a problem for theater for a long time. You cannot have an American experience without actual Americans. And a lot of the people get lost in the, oh, <laughs> I always mention poor Arthur Miller. I'm sorry, Mr. Miller. It's just that everybody else tried to copy you after you. And, uh, and we've been getting that copycat of the same living room drama with the same people. And beyond living room drama, see, even the same stories about this, the same canon uh, history. It's like World War II, get the same white squadrons. We barely ever see what, like, the Native Americans did during World War II, where the Latinos were, were during Civil War, because Mexicans were part of it. We never find out this part of the story. And it's not that you, we only have a voice about the future. We can inform so much of the future because of our shared past that they're trying to hide, but we, this is our country, our empires. We basically created all of this, and these people are like, but let's not talk about that. No, let's, let's. Let's because talk let's about it. Let's talk about it. As brought to us here, where systematic racism has gone rampant. So I think it's an important voice to not just to spotlight a whole aspect of America that is barely ever explored, but to also show how we deal with solutions. Because every problem is universal, but the solutions are the ones that are, you know, specific to the culture. And I think the more we let other cultures speak, the more we will learn how to deal with problems. And that's the thing, right, in terms of just uh, 
inclusion, this idea sometimes that people will say, well, you know, if you're Puerto Rican or you're Jamaican or you're Haitian, uh, you should find your communities. And whereas I can respect that, I tend to think, because some people are like, all right, where's the Puerto Rican community? I'm like, if we're in New York City, or, or, or in Jersey or wherever, I, I think they're all over. That's been my experience, right, in terms of trying to say they're located here. I had have, <laughs> have no chalk, like, when I moved here. Like, the culture didn't change much for me <laughs> when I moved from the island to here, so... <laughs> Like so now, Americans are everywhere. <laughs> exactly. So tell us about the transition now to floor, because you had, you know, you spoke with Rosa, you're, th you're having that conversation, and then you're now writing. So talk to us about uh, your process and how do we get to this final draft? How do we, you know? So well, first I had to like think about it not as a, as a stage play, but as a radio play. And then I, I thought to myself that I wanted to break it down in episodes. So I had to think about episodic, which is a whole, you know, uh, I've done things of TV and stuff like that, but I haven't produced TV and stuff uh, or uh, episodic podcasts. Uh, there's been other plays, but not episodic. And I was thinking, you know, this is, this is a fun challenge. Uh, so what I did was I thought about the thing that Rosa, everything that Rosa and I spoke about. And I took little things that I remember the most. I remember her love for her two kids. And I remember thinking to myself, she's having a great time, but what is her kids are doing? You know, what are, what are they doing? Because they're all part of the same struggle. They're all this part of the same story. Uh, and I was fascinated by her want for life so much that the only thing that I wanted to show doing this is that at the end, I wanted to show that there is a one from life, from loss of it. That I like, if anything, I believe that the more, like the more people die in this trial, there's more energy releasing to out there. And it is a responsibility to use that energy that's been, I guess, thrown into this universe that we all live in and like steer it for good. And that's what we have to do now with this, with this uh, virus and this, this pandemic. And I, when I sat down to think about a play, about what I was going to write for this play, I thought about how can I steer the energy, this energy of so much loss, depression, stress, and this energy that's being released by the sad like, reality that is like so many people dying. How can we steer it in a way that we can move it to create hope? And I just remember just listening, to, just kept thinking of Rosa, I just kept thinking and listening to the conversation over and over again. Uh, and it was just little parts of it. Uh, the two assistants that were with us, they loved her too. They were laughing, they were laughing. I was having a conversation with like a friend and that's what I wanted to show. I wanted to show what a friend is and how we survive. So the process for me was more, less about like the twist and, or how to build these characters to, multi, to multiple pages or how to build this plot to how can these characters, each one, what do they have to say continuing from each other? And, I, and from there, I just built. I built their lives little by little. I, I thought about who these characters were because I know these characters. Beyond Rosa and the conversation with Rosa, I know these characters. I have lived with these characters. I am one of these characters, uh, a little bit of these characters. I am who they are. And... We all look for our communities, right? That's what you, uh, you were saying before. We all look for our communities. 
but our communities become bigger, and I'm I'm a huge fan of this. And it's like our communities become bigger not when we educate others, but when we start opening our our doors to others that that share the same love and and culture or something similar. Some share history. Um, the family gets bigger, and I think that Rosa reminded me what I love about being Puerto Rican, but it also reminded me how much I want to share about what is what is to be Puerto Rican and what is to this resilience that 500 years after the Spaniards came and some change at this point, uh, we're still Puerto Rico. We're not little Spain. We're not a United States state. We are an island that still have Olympics team, basketball teams going to global world like. We went to the World Classic just a few years ago and like went to the finals with our name. Like people go around the world in this little island. Bad Bunny come from Bad Bunny is literally the biggest artist right now. The first artist to ever have a number one album in America, all in Spanish, Puerto Rican. Ricky Martin was the biggest hit. Like all of so many things, so many giants come from this like three hours coast to coast island. And like it comes because of that resilience. It comes from that positive. It comes because of, of all our loss has released so much energy that we constantly dance around with. And we talk to our ancestors. Not many cultures do that. Oh, well, not, not many. White culture doesn't do that. They should. Because it is such a great thing to be guided by your ancestors when you let them guide you. And all of that is something that in this process, in this place shows, and in this process I wanted to like share uh, and Rosa was just a great catalyst for this. Uh, she just, again, it's like it was hard for being like not being in Puerto Rico, not being around Puerto Ricans, being in the pandemic. I'm gladly being with the Latinx Federal Circle, which means I get to talk to many Latinos uh, constantly, many Puerto Ricans. But just to listen to somebody that is not on theater, that is just like a person, Puerto Rican person, was great. Besides my sister and everybody else, I haven't heard somebody. So it was like, yes. Right. And it's kind of reminding you, you know, your community is out there because I think sometimes we when we're in our little enclaves and little cliques, we we forget that, no, we are attached to a much wider community. And I, I know that you use aspects of your culture. You just spoke about uh, the ancestors calling upon that. And in the same breath, also spoke about moving away from the sort of Arthur Miller Ibsen structure. And uh, just share with us a bit, and, and your work, I, you know, I, I, I'm familiar with your work, but talk a little bit now, and you can definitely mention uh, Latinx Playwright Circle and anything else. Uh, how, how important is that for you to explore new ways of storytelling, to move away from what has kind of been fed to us as the canon, the structure? And um, if you just care to share um, any examples with this one or any of your like favorite moments or discoveries, kind of like that aha when it works or even when you got to experiment and it doesn't too fit together. But yeah, talk a little bit. I, I mean, in, in, in the macro level, I would say that for me, the only way that theater could survive for longer and the only way that theater has survived for so long is experiment. We've been on a chokehold for around 150, 200 years where, like, it became a rich people's game when it wasn't before that, you know? It was, like, people's theater. Like, when Shakespeare did it, there were people with tomatoes throwing things at the actors. Like, this is what theater was. Theater was a public forum for people to be entertained and to learn, more than anything, to be educated through entertainment. And at one point, 
we forget who it was for and we just start giving the same place for the rich people that wanted to give the money for. And like, it's not that, the, that I want to see more change. I do. I want to see more change. But the thing is that change has been there. Maria Irene Fornes did it years ago. Pinero did it years ago. You know, Edo Albi and Beckett were not the only absurdists. Fornes did more for, for future playwrights than Albi did. He educa she educated them. She educated me, Dalia Cruz. She educated so many people that are like incredible right now. Caridad's bitch, like switch is like, there's so much canon and so much beauty in that it's not just, they always put a micro realism, but there's so much more. There's supernatural inter intervention. There's just the idea that the supernatural and, and the reality are not two things separated. We live together with each other. And I think it's important to, to explore all these things because ultimately, it's again like showing different perspectives, showing how all how people see reality in a different way. Um, in a micro level, for myself, I love exploring it because I have learned more from my identity exploring this than what school gave me when I was in 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 Puerto Rico. Because even in Puerto Rico, it's a very Americanized version of whatever they're gonna mm -hmm. they're they're trying to teach us. It's like I didn't know about Abisu campus till. I was like 15, 16, because I did my own research. We didn't know about the nationalist movement. We thought the nationalist movement was this terrorist because that's what America called it. I mean, at this point, we know what America called a terrorist and what not, right? So, like, let's be honest, our nationalists weren't that. But that education is something that didn't come for me. It come to me easy. Uh, so, to my place, I have learned that. I have learned so much about Puerto Rico, my history. I'm just talking about not about my place now. I know this information for a long time. But I've learned more and more and more, and it's like I want to share it with people. I want to show you other aspects of my culture. And I started with the politics and the history, and now it's more than that because I realize when you're younger, you think the politics and history is what makes your culture. As you get older, you realize that it's not that. It's how you behave, how you act, how your people are. And you are made to feel ashamed about that when you come to the United States. You're loud. You dress weird. You are funny. Why are you so quiet? Why are you so nerdy? Why are you move this way? It's like, it doesn't change unless you are like that surfer dude from California. You're weird, right? So like, when you come here, you think that what makes you you makes you a freak. It's not that your culture is in you. And like, America likes to tell you so much about individualism and like how you have to be your, your own person, your own person, but nothing makes me happier than finding somebody that is just like me. Oh my God, if I go to a room and there's somebody that's loud and crazy, I was like, yes, I'm in my house now. Like I find another Puerto Rican, people are like, oh, there's another Puerto Rican here. It's like, yeah, great. Because <laughs> I'm sorry, is there a limit? <laughs> uh, like, is there a limit i love that question because yeah, exactly limit. no limits so let me tell you if, if there's a limit we are all over the place at this point in the united states you can get rid of us <laughs> uh, so i just wanted to show what is it that makes us special and that not to be ashamed of our myth right now i'm working on a play that is about folklore because people forget or are not taught mm -hmm. that anymore uh it's about like remembering yes other cultures are cool yeah, then I'm like always been a very, I literally went to school for cinema and cultural studies. So half of our story was all about culture. Um, I love culture, but like the one thing I will always regret is that I didn't appreciate mine while I lived in it. I appreciate it. I love it. I, um, I realized how much I love it after the fact. When I was here, everything just realized that I was more fun over there. So like, 
I'm gonna, I moved to Long Island first. It wasn't New York City yet. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just, I love that people were allowed to be themselves. And nobody, I mean, they're judging because whatever. They, everybody judges, and it's not great to judge. But it's not like here, where judgment can really like ruin your whole thing. Uh, it's, it's different, and, and it's beautiful. And I wish, and I tell anybody that hears this, that is young enough to be in their culture and enjoy your culture. Let your mother scream at you. Let her be loud. Let your sister bother you. Let the sun burn you and enjoy that sand. Because, <laughs> yo, once it's gone, it's not going to be the same. You're not going to be spending the same time like that. So enjoy your culture. It's a beautiful thing. Especially not when your radio play will be released. We will be in winter very much. <laughs> so I'm going to Puerto Rico at that point because <laughs> I can't go. I'm going to have the kids, so I'm going to have to deal with this winter here. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing I, I want uh, you to talk about is for you to tell us about this play that we're about to hear called Floor without giving too much away. You know, give us in a nutshell, what can we expect or what do you want to share about this play? Floor is, is a story of a woman and her two offsprings. It's a story of, of the first nine months of this pandemic and not only how to survive it, but and not to give into despair, but to, to bloom from it. Uh, it's about the unity of family. It's about how, like, through the unity of family is how we can survive sometimes. It's like how we can find our strength. And it's true that, that we can possibly move on and find uh, a better path. Uh, that's what Floor is about, finding a better path to like, the worst time of our lifetime. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nelson. And uh, everyone can look forward to listening to Floor.